Well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, good to see you today. Great day in the neighborhood, so to speak. And um, uh, we're going to do some review and try to wind up a little bit and give us some direction about living in digital Babylon. And, and if you if you remember, uh, we've gone back through a number of different books, and the the object of the teaching. The object of the teaching was to identify areas uh, that are not going well for, for believers and ha- what do we do with it. We, we've watched society uh, slip away from us. Uh, it's just not what we, what we grew up with. But what do we do about that since there's a vast majority of the people in this country don't care how we thought it should be when we, grow, when we were growing up. Uh, as I was as I was putting the end together on this, it's easy to take this subject and stretch it out and just keep just keep pouring things into it. But we needed to put a close on it. And we need to put a biblical close on. It. So I've asked I asked the Lord, uh, uh, how do we do that? And and I think He's given us uh, some pretty good information here. And, and um, so the next couple of sessions, uh, we're going to look at some scriptural things that are going on. And give you some solid ideas and some solid things that you can do to deal with the issues that are going on. And as far as what our classes have been, um, we've talked about the seven mountain mantle. We've talked about uh, the seven mountains of influence in the country: um, education, uh, religion, business, arts and entertainment, uh, the family, um, and so forth. And these areas are areas that we need to be at the top of our game so that we can have influence on them. We've talked about some of the problems associated with each of these. Um, we've talked about COVID-19 and the impact of what that's had on this country, shutting it down and turning it away. Um, we've talked about the church in Babylon. We've talked about... Um, when a nation forgets God and, and the, the similarities between what happened in authoritarian Germany and, and some of the similarities that are going on in this country. And um, uh, we know, for example, in no place to hide that the government of our country is, has done and is doing things that they told us that they wouldn't do, but they are doing. And I think one of the, the more powerful things that I personally have learned through this and I go back to when the Lord quickened to me to do this uh, um, teaching. One of the most powerful things was He said, this isn't going to turn out like you think it will. And, uh, and what I have found out is, A, um, I find myself not in agreement with what God said to do in a lot of situations. And the second thing is, I found out that a lot of the things that I grew up thinking were solid and foundational to the growth of the country are not. And so um, we want to talk about that. We want to to look at some specific things in the Word. But one of the things that we're going to close down, that I want to to close out with, this is uh, when I ask the Lord about this, what what book, what what do I close up? And you remember, what we've been doing is, is compiling what other authors have said and trying to pull it together into one one teaching. And when I when I began to ask the Lord to avoid an open-ended 
class where we just go on and on and on and on and you, you pour out all the negative. What can I do? What what particular book do I have that, that, that I could use as a focal point to close? And it's this book right here. It's, in, it's called Extreme Prayer. And it's by Greg Pruitt. And has a forward in it by Max Licato. And within this book, I, I think it's like, it's like 120 pages long. Okay? But it's several things about him. And I'm gonna, I want to read a bio from him. Several things about Greg Pruitt is he's got an incredible sense of humor. The book is full of uh, illustrations and, and situations that he and his wife went through. But more importantly, he shows us how to do what um, uh, John Wimber called doing the stuff. He shows us how this happens. And that's what we need right now. So I, I want let me read a little bit about his bio before we go in to look at the book. Um, uh Greg Pruitt has been the president of the Pioneer Bible Translators based in Dallas since January of 2007. He and along with his wife Rebecca and their three children live in West Africa for over 12 years and where they completed a translation of the entire Bible into the Yalunka language and shared Christ's love with people who traditionally follow the Quran. Uh, he continues to help with church planning efforts among the Yalunka tribe through internet and cell phone contact with church leaders. Now, he's, he's not just a uh, translator. Listen to his pedigree. Uh, he has a degree in civil engineering from Texas A&M, a master's from Fuller Theological Seminary, a Ph.D. in intercultural studies from Fuller Theological Seminary, and he also has linguistic training from the University of North Dakota and the Graduate Institute of Applied Linguistics. That's a whole mouthful, but it just shows you that, that he's had training in the area that he's working in. Now, um, what I want to do is I want to start out, and one of the stories that he, that he begins to say as they're trying to do this translation, uh, he tells a story about he and his wife, they were about ready to get a divorce. And um, uh, he, is, he is just all bent out of shape because um, he didn't feel like it was a good testimony for someone who's translated the Bible to, be a, to, to have a divorce. But yet they had a little kid and it just things weren't going well. And so he took off one day in, on a walk uh, in West Africa and, and the Lord quickened to him that he and his wife needed to take time off and, and go into the mountains and spend some time together praying. He said, okay. So he got her to agree to that, and they went into the mountains, and, and as the story goes, and I'll kind of shorten it up for you, but he gets into the mountains, and they begin to pray and ask God to bless what they're doing. Well, they've got a baby, he has colic, she gets sick, he gets sick. He says it was a miserable week. But he said somehow or another, God brought them through and honored them, their efforts to get there. And, and he began to see things turn around. And one of the ways that happened was what he entitled the book was Extreme Prayer. Now, this is the key to me. As we look at, at Digital Babylon, this is the key that, 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 that I use to turn things around for the believers. And, and what makes this so exciting other people that I know, and other books that I've read, and other people that I've listened to have done this. They just haven't called it extreme prayer, and they didn't put it in a little booklet. Um, one of my favorite was uh, 
Brother Andrew, if you haven't read God's Smuggler, go find out. And you'll understand a little bit about extreme prayer. But here's what he talks about. And I want to, I want to uh, lay this out before you. Even though we feel we may have been beaten down by external events, God will honor our decision to pray instead of giving up. Let me say that again because it's important. Even though we may feel we've been beaten down by external events, we look at the, at, at the economy, we look at gas prices, we look at inflation, we look at this, we look at that, and we feel beaten down by it. That's understandable. But he says God will honor our commitment to, to avoid being beaten down and to pray and not give up. Okay. Uh, number two, he makes this comment. To fulfill our calling, we must make a choice to pray rather than to succumb in despair. Now, when I listen to all these things, and, and uh, again, if you go back and, and if you would listen to the COVID-19 story, uh, I was so mad because of an election result that I was unable to see God because of the fog that was in, in, in front of me. And, and uh, I was in despair. I, I don't want to admit that, but I was. I was mad. I was angry. I was cussing everybody. I was sick. Uh, I had COVID. I was in the hospital. I was alone. My wife wasn't there. And on and on and on. And God gave me two dreams to deal with this. And as soon as I got the dreams, I knew immediately that God had given me some new direction. So he says, rather than succumb to despair, pray. We must believe in Jesus. We must believe in Him in abstract. But we must also come to know Him as an active participant in our daily life. You know, one of the things we have to believe about Jesus is that He exists. And even though we don't see Him. And I've heard, I've heard people uh, make this comment before and, it, and it's thrown some people off. He said, you, you teach your kids about the Easter Bunny, about Santa Claus. And he said, they both turn out to not be real. What do they think about Jesus? Okay, So, unless there's some power involved, unless God does something, uh, Jesus tends to get lumped with Santa Claus and the Easter Rabbit. Okay, So, our faith, you go back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. And as the, as the um, Amplified says, the title deed of things we're looking for. Um, that's what we've got to hang on to. So we need to pursue that. Um, a very important point and that we've used in Fresh Wind in our alcoholic rehab uh, program, um, we start talking to him about John 3.16. Most people can quote that right off the bat. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and so forth and so on. Okay? Now, you ask them, do you guys believe that? Oh, yeah, we believe it. Okay, do you believe that that's Jesus said? Yes, yes, we believe it. Why do you believe that? Well, we believe it because Jesus said it. Okay, that's great. That's a start. And what we find out is, though, that Jesus said a lot of other things that are just as true as that, but we tend to disregard them. And that's where we, in order to deal with digital Babylon, we need to step out of that loop where we only believe John 3.16 and we don't believe anything else. And that's what, what, what we're going to talk about here. Um, when your spiritual life implodes, as mine did, because of the external pressures that were coming on, um, is God real to you, or do you rely on yourself? Okay, This is what I found out in this. 
that when all these things were going on, did I rely on myself or did I rely on God? Now, I'll give you a couple of scriptures, and I'm going to quote from the New Living Translation from the 1996 edition, okay? Psalm 39, 1 through 3. Now, listen to this. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will curb my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But, as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew to the bursting point, and my thoughts grew hot within me and began to burn, igniting a fire of words. That's what was going on with me in the hospital. This is the exact quote. This is exactly what was happening to me in the hospital. Uh, I made a decision, Lord, I don't, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this right. I'm gonna follow you. I'm not gonna fall down in sin. And yet, when I started thinking about these things, it's like exactly like he said. I said I'll curb my tongue when the, I won't say anything. But as I stood there in silence, the turmoil within me grew to the bursting point, and my thoughts grew hot within me and began to burn, igniting a fire of words. So that's the, that's the, that's the point when I have to confront what's going on in digital Babylon. That was my initial response. But now let's go on to Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3 in the New Living Translation. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and out of the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me, steady, steadied me as I walked along. And he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he's done and be astounded, and they will put their trust in the Lord. So the difference between these two, the second one, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. I didn't just run out and start, you know, and, and get a, a, um, uh, a, picket and a fence and, you know, go out and start making posters and start, uh, you know, justice, no peace, all that stuff. I didn't do that. I started waiting patiently for the Lord. This is the tough part. So this is the first thing we have to do. First thing we've got to acknowledge in Psalm 39, 1 through 3, helps you acknowledge that you've got, you, you, you got an issue that you have to deal with. Okay? Psalm 41 through 3 shows what happens when you do acknowledge God and allow Him to work. Now, it's important pretending to have faith is not the way to address the impending problem. You need to call on God to reveal Himself to you in His power and then wait for Him to work on your behalf. This is the tough part. If we go back to what um, G.K. Chesterton said, uh, Christianity hasn't been found Christianity hasn't been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried. This is the difficult part. He meets us in our weaknesses and begins to move in power. My weakness was such that, that I was a mess. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get it done. So I have to go to God and I have to say, look, all of these things that are bothering me and taking me down the tubes, uh, political things, um, uh, as uh, Lance Wallenau uh, said, uh, homosexuality and gay rights is not going to, that genie's not going back in the bottle. Um, uh, abortion, that genie's not going back in the bottle. 
We live in a society where the laws and such are things that we don't like. Those genies aren't going back in the bottle. So we need to operate consistently and carefully and patiently waiting on God. Now, let's go to the to um, the next set of scriptures. Mark chapter 10, verses 47 and 52. Mark chapter 10, verses 47 and 52. Now listen to how Bartimaeus dealt with this. Bartimaeus heard that Jesus from Nazareth was nearby, and he began to shout out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. So he knew he had a problem, and he couldn't fix it, so he's calling out for Jesus. He's calling out for the Son of David, and he's doing it loudly. Okay? Verse 52, And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has healed you. And instantly, the blind man could see. Then he followed Jesus down the road. Okay? So the first thing, he cried out to God, and then he got exactly what it was he was believing God for. He didn't cry out to God and then, and then go, Well, I hope this works. You know, Jesus, I don't know. Uh, you know, I hope it works. He was crying out to God and he laid it all on the line and Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Now, the next line to think about, if we want our prayer life to be like climbing a ladder to heaven, then that first rung needs to touch the mud in which we live. Say that again. If we want our prayer life to be like climbing a ladder to heaven, the first rung needs to touch the mud in which we live. So you have to be honest. I had to go to God. And you know, uh, being under the influence of uh, extensive antibiotics, um, sleep medication, drugs, um, COVID, all of the high temperature, I had 104 temperature, my oxygen level is 79. I'm not doing real well. And I have to be real and say that my ladder is in a mud. In order to get out of that, I have to go to God. And I just got to tell Him, look, things are goofed up. I can't do it. I, I laugh. The, my prayer probably wasn't politically correct. It probably wasn't religiously correct. And I probably wouldn't share what I prayed and said to God in a church service. However... I remember one guy said that they were talking about prayers, this old farmer, and he said the best prayer I ever heard was from a guy that was falling upside down in a well. Help. Help. Help me, Lord. Um, now, keeping this in mind, if you find yourself mired in ordinary struggles, you're not disqualified from practicing extreme prayer. Okay? If you find yourself mired in ordinary struggles, you're not disqualified from practicing extreme prayer. And all good prayer, remember, begins with the prayer of weakness. Now, if we go back, let me get a drink here real quick. If we go back and we remember... Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and uh, Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in and took 10,000 Israelites, 
Judites, uh, the, the Israelites, over to Babylon with him. Okay, this is like ethnic cleansing uh, 101. And uh, these are young kids, 16 years old, 15 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And they're now being moved over. And a contemporary uh, prophet was uh, Jeremiah. And as Jeremiah was prophesying on this, listen to what he said in Jeremiah chapter 29. Again, from the New Living Translation, the 96th edition, he says this, The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, sends this message to all the captives that he is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. So this is a message for everybody who is now living in Babylon. Okay, uh, It doesn't take long to figure out Nebuchadnezzar was not a nice guy. Uh, and he certainly wasn't pro-Jewish. He wasn't pro-anything. He was pro-Nebuchadnezzar. Now, if we study him in history, we find out he did a lot of uh, very good things, but this isn't one of them. And if you, if you follow along, he builds a... Um, 90-foot statue of himself and wants everybody to sit down and worship it. Uh, probably not kosher, okay, as far as Daniel's concerned. But listen to what Jeremiah says the Lord gave them this message. The Lord mighty, the God of Israel, sends this message to all the captivities, uh, all the captives he has exiled in Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes. And plan to stay, plant gardens, and eat the food you produce. Marry, have children, then find spouses for them, and have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of Babylon. And pray to the Lord that the city where you are held captive, for if Babylon has peace, so will you. Okay. Now, that Scripture set me back a long way when I first read it because I don't want to pray for... I don't want to pray for the peace of my enemies. I want them gone. Um, I told, told the Lord, you know, I can go back and, and find prayers from David and we're going we're gonna to look at, 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 at David's response to this in Psalms. But my prayer is not Bless these people. Let's get them out of here. I want them blessed. I want them to get saved. But I want them to do it someplace else, not here. Okay? But the Lord said to pray for them. And we can go back into to Timothy. We can go back into Romans and find out that we're to pray for the government. We're to pray for the peace. And we're to do that so that we can have a, a, a peaceful time that our country can have a peaceful time. As, as I'm writing this right now, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, uh, trial is, uh, is being debated, not debated, but um, uh, the jury is working on, is he guilty or is he not guilty? And the country is so split that people are afraid that if he's acquitted, the place is going to explode in riots. This is not what God said to do. Okay, He didn't say go get a pitchfork and a torch and, a, and, a, and, you know, and set the place on fire. He said, pray to the Lord that the city where you're held captive has peace and so will you. So this is one of the first things that we need to do 
to living in digital Babylon is to look at these situations that are going on and pray and ask God for peace in the middle of this situation. Now, I want to go on and say and, and, and give another uh, point. And remember, uh, this is what Greg Pruitt, uh, as the, the leader, and, and it tells a story in here how he became the leader of this organization. But anyway, extreme prayer, we're going to talk about that, believing God to do the extreme things that he, nobody else said he could do. Um, he told one story that, that, I, that I love. Um, uh, they began to believe that God could heal people. And he says he's living in a place where there's demons and there's uh, witch doctors and everything going on. And, and they were in this one village and this, this guy brings his kid up and they said, we need to pray for this little boy. He's dying. And, or we need to, you know, can you do anything to help him? The witch doctor couldn't do anything. He was dancing around and, you know, doing all the things he did. So Pruitt goes over there and he starts praying and um, he didn't know what to do with him. <laughs> I, I love one thing. They said, well, what do you think? It might be meningitis. And he said, no, it can't be meningitis. We don't have any medicine for that. <laughs> like that was had any bearing on the fact. But the point to be made was that he needed to pray for this little boy. And he got over there and he said, we need to pray. But he said he looked at him and saw, he said, I think we need to hurry up and pray for him because God's healing him anyway. And God did heal the boy. And he began to see that these prayers, these extensive extreme prayers that he's talking about had an impact on his life and he says these are what we're going to pray so I want, I want to give it to you right now in 2007 he was asked to take over this organization as the president now remember uh, he was first of all when we first meet him in the book he's ready to get a divorce from his wife and it's not a good situation And and but in the middle of that God pulled him out one thing led to another, and they asked him if he'd take over as the, as the president. And he said, yes, he would do that. Now, they needed, they'd stagnated in growth. This is 2000, 2008. If you remember, there was a lot of financial issues going on at that time. So not necessarily a great time for those that are living on, off of donations and, and you know, nonprofit organizations. And um, so he said, what are we going to do? They, they said, I've got to have a strategy. So here's some of his quotes, and, and I love what, what ended up happening here. This sounds unsophisticated, but what if this prayer thing really works? I'm supposed to believe the Bible, so what if I try just doing what it says? Interesting, interesting point. His next step was to search the Scriptures and find the kinds of prayers God has promised to answer, and then focus all of our efforts on those kind of prayers. This is an interesting strategy. Okay? And he, he explains what ends up happening out of this. Now, I want you to, to, to pay close attention. He said, What if we really could tap into the power of the reckless blank check promises Jesus made? I asked our guys at, at Fresh Wind, I said, uh, you, you know, you, you've read the Scripture where it says, Jesus will wipe away all your tears from your eyes. Well, if you're in heaven, you're not going to be upset about anything. So what, what kind of tears is it that He might be wiping away? And I think one of the things that we realize is that the Lord will get up there and He'll have, like, He'll pull Andy up here and He'll say, look, glad to have you here. You're my son. And, you know, it'll be a wonderful time. 
But he'll go, let me show you something. When we do the review of your life, let me show you something. Look, I told you right here, if you, if, it says right here in, in this Scripture, if you'd believe me and trust me, I'd do that for you. But you didn't do that here. You didn't trust me in any of these things. You kept trying to do this. You, you did this over here. You did that over here. And the tears are going to be when we see what we could have done compared to what we did do. I think that's, some, that's a point that the Lord wants to bring to our hearts is that there's so many things that we could do that we're not doing and that brings sadness not only to the Lord but the fact that we can't accomplish what we're supposed to do because we're not doing and not trusting Him when He said to do it. Now, go back to that again. Let me make that comment again. What if we really could tap into the power of the reckless blank check promises Jesus made? Well, let's talk about one of those before we go, and then then we'll finish up the next session. We'll finish this up and give you some direction where to go. Turn to Mark chapter 11, verses 22. And Jesus had just smoked a fig tree. You know, he went out to get something to eat. The fig tree didn't have anything on it. And he said, may nothing, you know, zappo, your, your, your history. Peter notices the next day that that thing's dead. And he says, how did that happen? You know, what, what, what did you do that this thing all of a sudden croaked? Okay? Now listen to what Jesus says. And we're going to leave you with this, and then we're going to open up next, the last session of this. We're going to open up, and we're going to walk through this. Verse 22, Mark 11, And Jesus answered him and said to him, Have faith in God, or as some... Uh, footnotes say, have the God kind of faith. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them and they will be granted to you. That's a blank check prayer. I've laughed before. I've seen footnotes in study Bibles that said Jesus didn't really mean that when He said it. Well, then why did He say it? So I want you to think about this. Let's talk about it the next session. And we'll finish up and see where God's going to leave us. Father, we thank You for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. See you soon.